Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's very special episode of TCCP is none other than Surrey wicketkeeper batter, Joshua Blake. So Josh, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask, mate, how's your morning been so far? <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, no, it's been okay so far. Um, it's 9am in Sydney, where I currently am. Um, so yeah, just made my coffee, ready to chat some cricket. Life's good, isn't it? When you live in that life, the life of Riley out in Australia. And actually, yes, for the listeners out there, just in case you do get a bit confused, if we mention morning and evening and all those kind of time differences, I'm currently here in the UK where it's wet, it's cold, it's a bit miserable, it's autumn, whereas Josh is living the good life in Sydney. So how is the, how's the weather over there at the moment, Josh? Make me envious. Uh <laughs> the last couple last couple of days have been nice, thanks. Um, but it actually actually was flooding when I um, when I first got here, believe it or not. Um, so so yeah, fortunately that's sort of starting to to clear up. Um, but our main ground um, was underwater when I got here, so we we're only just getting back there for training. But um, yeah, no, the weather's picking up now. It's starting to get um, nice and warm. So enjoying Sydney life. I'll bet you are. What a place, what a city, what a lovely state as well. New South Wales, can't say I've been there myself, but when you look at it, you know, on the tourism programmes and, of, of course, in the world of cricket, it just looks idyllic, doesn't it? Paradisical, in fact, yeah. there's New South Wales. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, lucky for some. And, of course, we'll probably discuss that at some point in today's podcast. And talking of the contents for the new listeners out there who don't quite know how the County Cricket Podcast works, essentially, I'm going to be having a chat with Josh today about all things cricket. So his early cricketing memories, then a large chunk of today will of course surround the mighty Surrey County Cricket Club and then we shall end with a look towards the future. But Josh, before we get into all of that good stuff, I want to take it all the way back to the origin of the Josh Blake cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this sensational game? <laughs> um... Yeah, well, cricket's been in my life always. I've grown up around it. Um, got a younger brother that I've always played with, um, Sam, and um, and my dad. Um, so I'd probably say the earliest memory would be um, playing in the garden with my dad. Um, I was talking to him about this last night. Um, he said he was trying to get me to bat right-handed, but I didn't have it, so I ended up batting left-handed <laughs> in the garden. Um, but then, you know, going and watching my dad play and sort of ending up at Sutton Cricket Club, age six. Um, that's where, where it all started for me. So in terms of your dad and your brother playing backyard cricket and then that connection to Sutton Cricket Club, I think that's a lovely route into the game. And obviously, aside from those familial connections, who in the world of crickets, maybe in domestic cricket or indeed international cricket beyond that, did you look up to in those early days? Did you have any role models, any idols, any influences that you tried to shape your game off of in those early years, per se? Oh, definitely. Um, it's quite typical being um, watching the 2005 Ashes. I'm sure loads of people say that when I was sort of six, seven, um, watching Shane Warne bowl his leg spin. I tried to bowl it myself. Um, and then watching Adam Gilchrist would have been my favourite keeper when I was that sort of that age. And then going into sort of Matt Pryor and stuff when I was slightly older. Um, they were probably my favourite. 
So, so yeah, <laughs> I tried to sort of shape my game around them. Um, so, yeah. Well, those are some lovely shouts. And you mentioned the 2005 Ashes. I say it pretty much every single podcast. I think it's time for a rebrand. We need to call ourselves the 2005 Ashes. We talk about it more than county cricket, to be honest. At this stage, <laughs> 200 episodes in, and I'm convinced that we've spoken about this series, this iconic yeah. encounter between England and Australia on at least 199 of those occasions. So, Josh, <laughs> I will ask you the classic follow-up question when the yeah. 2005 Ashes is brought up. If you could go back in time and relive just one day, one single day from that immortal test series, which day would you choose and why? Oh, it'd have to be um, the edge fasting test, wouldn't it? <laughs> that last, that last day. Um, yeah, you, you can't. I couldn't say anything else. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty obvious when you know who I support that I'm not going to disagree with that whatsoever. Of course, Edge Baston, what a test that was. The closest test win in the Ashes' entire history. Two runs. And Josh, I've got to ask this because this has been a, a topic of contention, depending on whether you're an Englishman or an Aussie. But did Kasperwich actually glove that ball? Well, <laughs> um, it certainly looked like it real time. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know, probably not. <laughs> It's up for debate. It's up for debate. And, and fully enough, the, the regular pattern tends to be if you're born in Australia, he didn't touch it. <laughs> if you're born in England or Wales, he gloved it. Massive thick glove out all day long. So an interesting one to, <laughs> to ponder. Obviously, it doesn't really matter whether or not he gloved it because he was given out. And uh, yeah, obviously, England went on to, to win that series, which is the important thing. But you mentioned there Adam Gilchrist a real pioneer, an innovator of the modern wicketkeeper batter, a brilliant batsman to watch, so elegant, so full of flair and panache, great, great player to watch. But at the same time, he also evolved the modern keeper, brilliance behind the stumps to both spin and, of course, seam. So, Josh, I wanted to know this. What was it about wicketkeeping which drew you in in the first place? What made the art of wicketkeeping so appealing to a young Josh Blake? Um, I've always always loved catching balls uh, in the garden, just throwing stuff around, throwing balls against walls, you know. And I don't, I, I suppose, I don't sit still very well. Um, so it's nice to be involved every um every ball of the game. Um, but yeah, just I do just love it to be honest. Prefer it, certainly prefer it to fielding. Um, so so yeah, <laughs> I suppose that was the draw. I've heard that quite a lot on the podcast, to be honest. It is that element of, of being involved in every single delivery of the yeah. game. And I'm guessing I know the answer to this because you've made it to the professional level. But do you ever find that quite difficult at times to keep that, that focus, maintaining that concentration from ball one right until the final ball of that innings? Or is that something which doesn't really cross your mind? Um, I'll be, be lying if I said, um, it, you know, it is, it is very difficult. Um, and there are some days when you're out there and it's hot and, and so on. I mean, plenty of people talk about it. Even Adam Gilchrist himself. I remember listening to something about him recently, actually. He's saying whenever he missed um, a stumping or dropped a catch, it was when he just switched off slightly more than other balls. Um, so it does happen. But, you know, if you're conscious of that, then you can try and try and prevent it, I suppose. Well, you can. And that is the important thing when you're a keeper. It's more pressure than any other fielding position. And 
actually talking of that concentration and that focus before we get on to the discussion about your journey in county cricket what kind of techniques and, and preparation methods do you have to maintain that focus and almost stay in the heat of battle when you're out there in the middle well if we're talking preparation like sort of pre-game stuff like that i'm obviously very lucky to be um at surrey where we've got ben folks and jamie smith where um two fantastic keepers so getting to learn off them day in day out is pretty pretty cool so i'm trying to copy them as much as possible um but whilst whilst i'm out there it's very try and keep things as simple as possible um because you do have to switch off between balls um a little bit obviously you've got to try and g up your teammates and so on as well um but i'll try and keep it as simple as possible to be honest just i've got the same sort of process if you will um try and replicate that every ball and then yeah, just just try and catch it, really. <laughs> that is helpful, isn't it? When you're a wicketkeeper, try and catch the ball and, and affect some things. Yeah. <laughs> Great advice for any young keepers out there. Catch the ball. Yeah, something which sounds very simple, but I'll tell you what, do you ever find this difficult at times, in particular against spin, especially against a batter who's got a lot of moving parts? Do you ever find it difficult to, to pick out the ball? Um, yeah, of course. I mean... Got to try and stay. Try. I just try and keep things the same. Um, if someone's moving around and so on, you got to try and you got to try and adapt to it. I suppose if someone's getting across their stumps, you obviously got to stand wider and so on. Um, I'd, but you got to try and stay as still as possible um, as a keeper. So um, you know, it's juggling all these things. But yeah, it's it's what you practice. So um, yeah, when, once you get into the game, should be should be okay. Fingers crossed. Obviously, it doesn't always pan out that way, does it? Sometimes cricket's incredibly cruel and you're in the right position and things might just go a little bit bit wrong. And as a keeper, do you ever find you get it more in the neck in comparison to other fielders when you um, drop a catch? Certainly. <laughs> of course, the expectation as a keeper wearing gloves, you are, you know, you're, you're supposed to catch, you're supposed to catch balls. Um, um, obviously, you do drop some, so, you know, um, if you do drop it, you've got to try and pick it up as quickly as possible and um, make sure no one notices. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, just kind of, you know, <laughs> work as hard as you can, I suppose. Yeah, you do. I, I often compare it actually to a goalkeeper in football. And I know this far too often, to be honest, in my goalkeeping days. But when you can see the goal and it's like everyone expects you to save it, but you've just got to put it to the back of your head, haven't you? You've just got to put it to one side, get back into the game and, you know, try and impact it in in another way. But that is a lot easier said than done. And Josh, <laughs> this is going to be a very, this is a very profound question when we're less than 15 minutes into the podcast. But oh. are you ever guilty of overthinking? Is that something which oh, ever always. enters your head? Always, always. It's hard to be a cricketer and not overthink because there's so many variables in the game. Um, um, and, you know, I've certainly been through sort of, um, losses of form and so on where you do, you can overthink but um, you know at the end of the day if you try and keep it as simple as possible then um, and you know it's typical everyone talks about sticking to processes but it is very true um, if you can do that then you sort of eliminate as much of the um, sort of extra noise in your head as possible. Of course that is something which is so important isn't it in the game of cricket as you mentioned all of those variables at times you are your own worst enemy and that's why it's important to try not to overthink. Obviously, it's the human reaction, isn't it? When you've made a mistake, you're thinking, what could I have done better? What can I do better in the future? And you've got a million things whirring around your mind. But 
again, you've just got to keep it simple at times, stick to those processes and ultimately back yourself, as we'll probably discuss in a lot more detail when we do get to the psychological discussion later on in today's podcast. But just before we we jump the gun and we get too far ahead of ourselves, I just wanted to take it back onto your cricketing journey because your journey into county cricket is very unorthodox. It's not necessarily the, the typical route, shall we say, in comparison to other cricketers that we've had here on the podcast. So first and foremost, where did the love affair with Surrey first begin? What age did you kind of get involved with with the Brown Caps? Yeah, well, um, when I was nine in the Surrey under nines, um, I was very lucky to get involved then and sort of play um, in the age groups. Um, we had a very strong age group. We had Will Jackson our year as well. Um, to, to name a few, and you know, it was it was very strong. It was very competitive. And then um, getting to the age about fifteen, I um, I didn't I didn't then continue after that. That was where sort of my um, youth, sorry, sort of career, if you will, stopped. Um, so I went back to my club and and played lots of club cricket. Um, played a little bit for London schools um, and at my school as well. So. To try and play as much as much cricket as possible. I didn't honestly. I didn't think at that point that um, playing professional cricket would um, would be a possible career. To be honest, um, but I always loved playing. And then um, coming out here to Australia when I was eighteen, that was um, eighteen nineteen. That was when my cricket sort of really developed, having that independence. Um, I grew a little bit as well, which helped, um, and started being able to hit the ball a little bit harder and, and score runs, batting in. Um, two-day cricket as they play over here and um, that really helped my game and then taking that back into into club cricket at home um, where I started to do well that was that's where things sort of picked up for me. Well it's interesting you mentioned that because I've got a couple of questions here actually when it comes to that first stint at Surrey per se. First and mm. foremost why do you think it didn't necessarily pan out in that first stint? What was it about that that age group cricket which in your opinion you felt you weren't ready to to kind of kick on to the next step? Um, good question. I mean, to be honest, I probably didn't have um, the strength to hit balls through fields and so on when I was that young. Um, and probably as a result, I didn't really have the belief in myself at that age. Um, and it sort of, and I wasn't really scoring the runs maybe I should have done. I mean, this is well when I was 15. So, you know, um, and and yeah, probably it was definitely the right decision. I wasn't um, probably wasn't in the best fifteen players at that age um, after that. But actually, it was probably a good thing that I realised that, and then I could go away and and, and play and enjoy my cricket at Sutton and um, and work hard at my game, which I always loved doing. Always loved hitting balls in the nets and so on. So it was probably probably a good thing. Um, so yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Josh. And obviously, it's paid off as we shall discuss when we get on to the discussion about your brand new chapter at Surrey County Cricket Club. But you mentioned there Sutton, and Sutton have obviously played a massive role in shaping you as a cricketer, and I imagine as a person as well, because village cricket does that, doesn't it? In terms of the experiences, the friendships you make, village cricket, honestly, is fantastic, and I cannot recommend joining your local club more than enough. It is absolutely phenomenal. So in terms of of Sutton's importance, in the Josh Blake critting journey, how vital, how integral was that time spent at your local club with your friends, with your family, and regaining that love, reigniting the passion 
for the wonderful game of cricket. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. I mean, the opportunities that I got through the club, whether it be coaching-wise, which I'm sure we'll come on to uh, in a minute. Um, so doing my level one, level two through the club um, and I'm playing um, lots of club cricket where I've got loads of opportunities to bat and keep and, and so on, um, all at different levels. Um, and we're fortunate to be... Um, we were in the Premier League. Um, we've been up and down between the Prem and Division One in Surrey. Um, so getting good, getting good cricket on a Saturday um, at a young age, I was sort of exposed to it a little bit when I was sort of 16, 17, playing the odd game, which gave me that sort of experience of what good cricket looks like. So I could go away and work hard and try and get to that level myself. Um, so yeah, oh, it's oh, unbelievable. Um, great club to be a part of family club as we call it um so yeah lovely ground very and nets as well that i've always been lucky enough to be able to use um so yeah shout out to to sutton <laughs> <laughs> i love that and i completely echo that sentiment shout out to sutton and josh actually just to to ask you more about the club before we get on to that journey of coaching and the opportunity that's presented itself at surrey who are some of the key protagonists that we should know at Sutton Cricket Club. Who are some of the, the main players and the main people who make that club just so special? Some of the key names. Um, well, John Fry, um, head coach, um, let me use the nets a lot and give me some coaching when I needed it. And um, he's been fantastic for me. Chairman Nobby Clark as well. He's been um, he's been great. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd have to mention the Griffins um, as well. There's a few of them, um, and obviously my family and. Yeah, I'm sure I'll end up missing people. Um, but yeah, no, I've been very lucky to be involved with such a great club um, where, yeah, the opportunities have been good and, and it's really helped my cricket and, and me as a person. So, you know, I'm very grateful to the, um, to the mighty Poppin' Jays. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, honestly, I'm really happy to hear that. It's, it's brilliant to hear the fact that you've had such a great time in village cricket and again, just to echo those words once more shout outs to Sutton Cricket Club sounds yeah. like a wonderful place one to, more, to play one cricket more. Um, and Rayhan as well I'm sure he'll probably end up listening at some point he's thrown me many balls in the nets um, and vice versa so he's helped me a lot even this summer when um, I needed his help he's um, he's been helping me a lot so thanks Razor uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> any more Josh? no that's it I'll, yeah I could list a few but uh, that's enough thanks <laughs> fair enough Clearly a lot of excellent characters down in Sutton though and yeah it's paid off. It has definitely paid off and here you are talking to me as a Surrey County Cricket Club first 11 professional. So quite incredible isn't it how how life works out. The fact that it's, you had those days in the back garden with your family then you ventured into village cricket with Sutton. You had that first stint with, with Surrey in the age groups. And then this is where the story gets very interesting because this is the unorthodox route that I mentioned beforehand but you got heavily invested in coaching. Now, that's not something which happens very often here on the podcast with younger cricketers. Obviously, former cricketers and retired professionals usually get into the route of coaching after their careers are finished, but you started very early on. So, Josh, I've got to ask, first and foremost, where did that passion for coaching first come from? Why did you become a coach in the first place? Um, well, I just I'll obviously love the game. Um, I want to be involved in the game. Um, been 
obviously I was coached as a as a kid and I enjoyed enjoyed helping out when I could um at the club and sort of like there were always um holiday camps and so on I'd sort of join in when I was 15, 14 15 and helping um and that sort of grew from there um and then I did my level 1 um when I was 16 or 17 um through the club and then that progressed into level 2 and then throughout that I'd be helping out at the club's coaching nights um, and I really enjoyed that so um, managed to sort of turn that into a, um, a career for a little while um, after after I left school um, so when I was when I was out here as well um, I was coaching um, the first year that was a way of um, staying in the game and earning a little bit of money um, so yeah I've, I've always loved coaching and helping people so so yeah well, that again is is wonderful to hear and also shows a great deal of proactivity to keep yourself in the game because at the time you weren't in professional cricket, that wasn't the career. But as you said, staying in the game, affecting as well, affecting other people's journeys and paths into the game, it must be incredibly rewarding, mustn't it? When you're coaching a player and they get a big knock or they take a few wickets. So I imagine that's one of the most incredible aspects of the industry. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, when it does happen, it's uh, yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah, yeah, I can imagine it is. But uh, aside from the obviously the rewarding aspects of coaching, it isn't all plain sailing, as I imagine a lot of coaches out there are aware. You do have your difficult moments as well. In your opinion, Josh, what do you say has been the most difficult aspect of cricket coaching that you've experienced to date? Well, I mean, I've I was lucky enough to do lots of different types of coaching in different environments. Um, so I was helping out um, sort of county age groups, and so going from that to coaching one on one some good players um, to to coaching in schools, coaching kids that through chance to shine, kids that haven't played any cricket at all, um, which certainly is challenging. Um, trying to break the game down, which can be very complicated. Um, but equally, that can be very rewarding. Seeing people that have never played or never really even heard of of cricket, um, seeing them being able to um, learn the game, um, what it's about, and what it can offer, um, past just the enjoyment of playing, um, is is really rewarding. Um, but it's, it is also challenging. Um, so yeah, talking to big groups of people, um, I was, I'm quite a shy person in general, quite reserved. So um, that can be difficult, but it's th- those challenges really do help me and help people in general sort of grow. So, yeah, very grateful for those. Good. I'm glad to hear that, Josh. And in terms of just one final thing I wanted to, to touch upon, actually, before we discuss Chance to Shine and the wonderful work that you've done with that charity in the past few years, have you got any pieces of advice for any aspiring coaches out there who want to get into this field? Because... You mentioned the rewarding aspects, obviously the difficult aspects, talking in front of of big groups. There might be times where communication does break down, in particular when you're working with younger kids in the game of cricket. But what advice would you have to someone out there who wants to become a cricket coach and pursue that life career, per se? Yeah, well, coaching is difficult, I suppose. Um, But just get involved with as much cricket and coaching as possible um offering to sort of shadow and and do extra um always goes a long way um learning off yeah learning off other coaches not just um coaching yourself um yeah there's 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 lots um 
yeah, networking is very important as well. If you can um, chat to as many coaches as possible, try and gather more opportunities, um, then you'll learn you'll learn plenty. But I'll say probably the biggest thing that I learned when I was coaching, everyone's very different. Um, people have very different ways of um, articulating, communicating, um, and the way people train and learn is is very different so if you can learn that pretty early and sort of try and adapt to that then that does that does help in the um in communicating that point right there i think is the key takeaway actually and the reason i bring that up this was many an episode ago but i spoke to david ripley who is one of the greatest coaches that we've had in modern county cricket completely transformed northamptonshire's t20 fortunes he said the exact same thing when you're a coach, you cannot have that one-size-fits-all approach. You've got to tailor it to individuals. So, Josh, I've got to say, only 24, very, very wise words there, to say the least, and some excellent advice for any young coaches out there. And, in fact, we'll leave the links to the ECB's coaching programmes for anybody who wants to get involved in that pathway, in that industry. Get in there. Get involved. You never know what life has in store and what opportunities might present themselves. So, Definitely, if you want to get into coaching, give it a go in the summer of 2023. And Josh, talking of coaching then, I've, I've got to switch the subject now to your work with Chance to Shine because this is outstanding stuff. It really is. And I think this has been a major part as to why you've actually gone on to become a professional cricketer is because of this journey. So in terms of that opportunity in the first place, how did that manifest itself? How did this opportunity to work with chance to shine first materialize um so so i obviously worked with chance to shine through the um sorry cricket foundation but um that started between australia trips um in the summer of 2018 um doing the odd session i, I did sort of i did similar coaching out here and i've done a little bit of schools coaching through sutton um where we've had schools come to to the club um so I'd sort of seen it before and I wanted to get involved because I enjoyed it. Um, so luckily we had someone at the um, at the club, Chris Morris, who I um, I should have shouted out earlier. Um, he's helped me very much on um, through, uh, with my cricket in general. Um, but he worked at the Surrey Cricket Foundation, so he, he could get me in um, and, and help me find some coaching. Um, so I started doing some schools um, that summer. Um, and enjoyed it and then when I got back from Australia the following year I did I did quite a lot more um, so I think I got I had something like five schools a week where I do um, five or six sessions each each day and, and loved it it was a way of staying in the game whilst earning a bit of money and which which helped me be able to train and, and play at the weekend um, so yeah it was fantastic I learned a lot through through that time excellent to hear and they are a fantastic charity. I know some of their work that they've done here in the West Midlands. I know that they, they run street cricket tournaments in Birmingham and Coventry. And actually, Josh, just for those who, who aren't aware of what Chance to Shine actually do, what kind of information can you tell us about the charity itself? What work do Chance to Shine actually do in schools and, of course, in these street tournaments? Uh, lots. Um, the power of cricket, they say. Um, it's they provide the opportunity to, to learn cricket um, through sessions that are based on the curriculum, national curriculum. But it's not just about the cricket itself. It is about um, providing opportunities for people to learn skills like um, 
chatting and, and sort of communicating with their peers and, and learning things like that, leadership skills, things like that, um, not just bat and ball. But it is, it is a fantastic programme because it does then link cricket at school to cricket at clubs. Um, the street programme, um, I did my Merton Street for a year, uh, which was great. There was um, good bunch of good bunch of kids that did did really well. Um, so and that was really rewarding to see um, kids that I'd coached in schools come come to um, the street program and then play cricket um, at a cricket club. We we linked it with Mitcham Cricket Club where um, the kids came down and played there. Um, and and yeah, and they got to do their tournaments and so on. So that was fantastic. Um, but they they do. To answer your question, they do lots of work, um, and, and but basically they just provide opportunities. They do indeed, and again, just as I, I mentioned beforehand with the coaching programmes from the ECB, you can also find the link to the Chance to Shine website in the podcast description below. Please feel free to check them out, and of course, if you want to get involved, get involved. Look at our guest today, Mr Josh Blake. Look what it's provided for him in the past few years, and Josh, I have to bring this up. I know that you're a humble individual, but I was reading the article that you did with uh, Nick Friend in The Cricketer, right? And I saw this incredible stat, and usually cricket stats revolve around averages or economy rates or strike rates, but this is your hour's worth of coaching in 2022. 578 hours of coaching for the charity in local primary schools. That equates to 24 entire days' worth of coaching and in addition to that, you've reached a total of 2,880 school kids over the course of these past 11 months. That must make you incredibly proud, mustn't it, Josh? The impact that you're having on your local community. Yeah, um, yeah, it is, it is good. It's a great, as I said, it's a great charity. It does, does some great work. Um, and it is, it is a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, going into different schools different areas seeing lots of different types of of people different teachers um where you'd learn lots you'd learn lots from them the way they talk to their um classes and so on um yeah there's lots lots to learn so that was um that was a good i enjoyed my time good that is excellent here josh but again you're too modest genuinely you deserve a lot of plaudits and accolades for that that is a wonderful thing to do aside from your own critting journey you're impacting the lives of, of all those kids and who knows, you know, they could be the Surrey players of the future. That'd be absolutely outstanding if they could be. But yeah, I've got a lot of time for that. And it has been an unorthodox route into the game of cricket, but at the same time, must have been incredibly rewarding now that we've reached this point where you can call yourself a Surrey cricketer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, as I said, it is, it is really cool to see people um take the game slightly further um through schools through um people i've coached at club and so on so no it's awesome um, and that doesn't stop now um i will continue to be involved at sutton and so on as much as i can so no it's nice to see top man and who knows maybe one day one of your, your former students or <laughs> or former coaching pupils might be out there with you in the middle <laughs> at the oval that'd be fantastic but only time will tell i suppose we'll have to wait and see what life has in store. But talking of the Brown Caps, we've alluded to this return to Surrey a lot throughout the podcast, but we haven't actually discussed it in any detail so far. So Josh, you mentioned beforehand the the leaving of Surrey at age group cricket. Then you had your time with Sutton, you went to Australia, you refound this love for the game. How did you then get back to playing second eleven cricket for Surrey 
how did that opportunity materialize in the first place yeah well um before before covid um i had sort of a decent summer with saturn um aged i was 20 then um and i tried to get involved with the mcc young cricketers um that winter um did some training with them um in their sort of development squad as they called it um so we had a few sessions there and then unfortunately covid hit um but that was good that was my original plan to try and get involved through through that in playing second eleven cricket wherever that may be um and then enjoying my club cricket and going okay i, I sort of um I got an opportunity to play a couple of games in um, 2021, um, which was fantastic. A really good experience. I played a few T20s and then I played the last four-day game. Um, it was nice to have that taste of, of cricket at that level, um, where then I obviously seeing it and, and being involved and seeing how other people played and had their success at that level, it was nice to, to be able to go away and work on on getting myself as close to that level as possible um, and sort of doing, I didn't do that well necessarily in 2021, but I did enough that I had the belief that I could, I could do well, um, which was really important for me. So I went, went, went away and worked really hard that winter um, whilst working and coaching as well. Um, so to then be in a good position in uh, this, this year that's just gone um, to try and do as well as possible. And luckily, I did. I got a run of games at the start of the the season, um, which started started well and kept working hard. Unfortunately, it kept going from there. Well, it most certainly did. And before we we discuss the moment where <laughs> a certain Mister Stewart came and tapped you on the shoulder and gave you the nod <laughs> that you were going to be a Surrey professional, what do you say was your highlight from your time in the second eleven? Because for those who don't know, at the end of season awards, you did actually win the and Bickerstaff second 11 champagne moment of the season if I'm not mistaken so what would you say was your highlights from your time in the second 11 Josh? Highlight from the time of the second team um it would have to be the trip away to um to Gloucester um where I was lucky to get some runs but it was just a great it was just a great trip in general um stayed at a nice hotel we had a really good bunch of people in the um second team um so yeah it was um yeah it was a great trip out at um, Rockhampton so I really enjoyed that. That's probably the highlight. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it was a really good season. We won some games and um, got to play with some really, really good players. Um, so yeah, being in the mix of those kind of players before before I signed was um, an amazing learning opportunity. So yeah, it was it was awesome. Again, that's really good to hear. And I suppose one of the other highlights, which came towards the latter stages of that time in the second eleven was, of course, that moment where you got your contract at Surrey County Cricket Club. So for those who don't know the story, Josh, how did that come about? When did you realise and how did you find out that you were going to be yeah. realising your dream and playing for Surrey County Cricket Club? Yeah, it was, it was incredibly surreal. Um, it was the end of a um, four-day game at home to, I want to say, Sussex. Um, and I, I did OK. I got 49 in the first innings. Um and I didn't think that would be enough. I knew that the um, Royal London was sort of looming um, and, you know, players were getting signed other counties and so on. So, um, but I never thought I would be, I, I didn't think that would be me um, at that point. Um, but yeah, Alec tapped me on the shoulder um, at the end of the game and said, oh, we're going to have a chat and a, 
we'll have a chat after. Um, and I was like, oh, goodness, what have I done? <laughs> you know, what have I done? What's this going to be? Am I getting binned off? Um, but, um, yeah, he's, um, yeah, we had a great chat. And that was, um, it was, it was surreal, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it is incredibly surreal. I mean, a, a Surrey legend tapping you on the shoulder. And, of course, I mean, up until that point, you had no idea. <laughs> Sorry, it did make me laugh when you said you thought you were going to be binned off. That would have been tremendously uh, disheartening, uh, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, um, you know, that's just me, my, my head. But, um, yeah, no, it was fantastic. And I should say, actually, I, I worked with um, Neil Stewart for a long time and his cricket centre. And yeah, he was great for me as well. He let me um, train and hit balls um, and, and so on, um, whilst giving me a bit of work. Um, no, that, that was also fantastic. So that helped me in getting to that moment. Um, but yeah, no, that, uh, that moment was unbelievable. So, yeah. <laughs> Sounds surreal, to be honest. And thankfully, it was for a contract and not the fact that you were going to be released <laughs> by the club. <laughs> As life would turn out, that would have been a completely different conversation, I suppose. And yeah, probably wouldn't have had such a big grin on your face when retelling the story. But Josh, in terms of your debut then for Surrey in the Royal London One Day Cup, what can you remember from that fateful day? And I suppose, what were the feelings and the emotions like, given everything you've been through, all of those days in the back garden with your dad back in Sutton, your time playing for Sutton Cricket Club, you had your journey through the coaching, through the Chance to Shine programme, and all of that had culminated in this opportunity. How did that feel to walk out onto that field and represent Surrey County Cricket Club? Yeah, oh, well, amazing. Um, Guildford um, playing Leicester at home. Um, it was it was fantastic. It was great to be at a ground that I played um, at before. So I'd sort of I'd seen it before. I know uh, you know I knew the sort of dimensions of the ground and knew what it looked like. If you know what I mean. Um, so that was nice. And then. Um, with yeah, you know, so I knew my mum and dad were sitting in the um, in the crowd as well. That's cool. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fantastic, fantastic day. Unfortunately, we lost. Um, but yeah, no, it was really, it was a really good experience. Um, being involved in the match day prep and, and getting to the actual game, sort of as you said, all those all that hard work I've put into um, getting there. It was nice to get. I got forty something, which was good, um, but not enough, unfortunately. So. Um, so yeah, no, great day, great day. Well, I suppose from a team perspective, a bit disappointing. Yeah, seven wicket loss to Leicestershire. That was the game where Nick Welch scored 127 not out, if I'm not mistaken. He went on a on an absolute tear for the Foxes. That did really well. That did really well. Um, he did. Must unfortunately, um, but yeah, we we didn't quite get enough runs unfortunately. But yeah, no, um, still really really cool to be involved um, in that game. Oh, of course. And from an individual perspective, you did pretty well on debut. 44 from 66 balls, which included the five fours as well. So clearly showing that boundary potential on debut for the Brown Caps with those those fours struck at Guildford. And this is going to be a pretty difficult question, actually, Josh, because I imagine your debut would have been tremendously special and will be a highlight for the rest of your life, to be honest, representing Surrey in the 50-over competition. But... In retrospect, from the 2022 season, would you say that was your highlights, or did another game potentially top that as that <laughs> tournament progressed? Um, well, there's plenty of highlights in in the season, not just in the Royal London, um, just to being involved in general. I know what you're alluding to, um, but mm -hmm. um, 
of the season itself was was amazing to be involved in such um such an amazing club with amazing players and people and staff um was was great i mean to be involved in some of the um games towards the end of the season um not in a playing capacity but to be around it was was amazing when we obviously won the um won the county championship but the the game that obviously you're talking about that was um Warwickshire at home in the Royal London of uh, the tie um that was unbelievable um Nick Kimber played one of the great innings to get us really really close and um uh, unfortunately Norwell bowled that Yorker <laughs> in the last over which um bowled us out but yeah what a game that was that was that was awesome <laughs> that was a highlight definitely in hindsight it was awesome at the time I've got to be honest because I think I was the only Warwickshire fan in the Oval Pavilion <laughs> that was an absolute nightmare for me I've got to be completely honest we had varying uh, memories and experiences on that particular day but Josh what can you recall because I know the Surrey fans who tune into the podcast wouldn't forgive me if I didn't mention this, even though it was against my county of Warwickshire, the fact that the Bears pulled 293 for five, which was a good total on that track. And we had bowled so brilliantly up until that point. Sorry, we're 184 for seven in the 39th over. And then, as you said, all of a sudden, Nick Kimber comes out. Nico Reefer as well, scoring 53. You had Matt Dunn scoring 34. What can you recall from that most remarkable of games in, in South London? Um, well, it was certainly certainly a nervy changing room, um, but yeah, so it was it was good. We obviously, Warwickshire bowled nicely to start with, and Nico got a few um, to sort of set the game up a little bit. And then Nick Kimber came out and and smashed eighty four, I think it was. Um, um, yes, with some incredible shots. There was one over. Well, I want to say he hit sort of three or four sixes. Um, to sort of probably to the longer boundary as well, um, which was which was amazing and to get us really really close. So yeah, one of the great one of the great days um, to be involved in. But yeah, 184 for seven. Did you say? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Incredible effort from um, from the lads to get to get so close. <laughs> yeah, so. It, it was a remarkable game, and obviously at the time I I wasn't exactly pleased. I've got to be honest, and in fact. <laughs> I was talking with a few of the Surrey members up in the pavilion and I've seen Warwickshire throw games from that position before. So I think back to 2020 and we had Northamptonshire seven wickets down. They needed 100 runs to win with with Tom Taylor and Graham White at the crease and they chased it down with like an over to spare. So I'd seen this before. I knew exactly how this was going to pan out. And then all of a sudden you had Nico Reef almost clearing the pavilion with a couple of his sixes. He did Nick he hit one handed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was quite cool. It was just one of those games where I've got to be honest, right, for Surrey, it was spectacular. And the fans on that day were excellent. You know, there there was almost that sense of, of defeat when the seventh wicket fell. But as soon as those sixes started coming back, the belief started coming back, and in the end we did get quite the conclusion, and thankfully. For us as Warwickshire fans, Liam Norwell did secure that point because if we would have lost on that day, genuinely, I think I would have just rage quit the season. I could <laughs> not. I could not have spent another minute in South London with like twelve thousand Surrey fans who have just seen their team score a hundred and nine runs <laughs> with three wickets to spare in in eleven overs. I don't think I could have handled that yeah. to be honest. But a great game of cricket, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Very, very awesome game of cricket and yeah, always delivers Surrey versus Warwickshire, one of the most historic rivalries in county cricket. But 
Josh, aside from the highlights then, I suppose, because unfortunately cricket isn't that simple. Wouldn't it be fantastic if it's all just highlights and good moments and everyone scored centuries and took fivers? But unfortunately, as we know all too well, that isn't the case. It's a very difficult game and at times you do become your own worst enemy when you're out of form and you kind of question yourself. So in terms of this season, what do you say was the most difficult moment for you personally? Was there a tough moments either on or off the field which really stands out to you from the from the conclusion of this summer just gone by? Yeah, well, um, firstly, let's say it was it was an amazing summer where I got to play lots of different types of cricket um, and I got to experience a lot that I'd not seen before. Um, so playing lots of sort of four-day cricket in the second 11 to start the season, um, that was an awesome learning curve. Um, but then to also have to balance work around that and playing club cricket on a Saturday, it was it was quite a lot. So, but I've always loved the game and always sort of had the desire to score runs and, and try and do well. So, um, trying to balance all of that was 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 definitely a learning curve. But I'd say the most challenging part of the season was um, where I had a little, I had those two games where I got two ducks in a row in the um, in the Royal London, um, and that was that was a tough that was tough. Where, um, yeah, it, I I sort of, I went back to my club and I ended up. I chatted to a couple of people that I um, that I sort of trust, if you will, um, and just tried to break it down and keep it simple and, and sort of make sure I was hitting the ball the way I wanted to hit the ball. Um, and then I got, yeah, fortunately I didn't get a duck in the um, in the next game. Um, so so yeah, that that was probably the most challenging period. But then again, I learned a lot from that. And um, again, it goes back to the this sort of. Um, the cliche of processes and so on. If you can sort of nail that and almost eliminate, try and eliminate as, um, as many variables as possible, um, then that's that's all you can do, really, I suppose. But yeah, that, I'd say that's probably the most challenging part. Well, no, that's completely understandable. It really is. I think every single cricketer goes through that, in particular when you're a newcomer in a side, because there is that additional pressure. You're trying to establish yourself within that that dressing room and you're trying your best to make it into that starting 11, I imagine it is even more difficult. There is that added degree of of pressure on your shoulders. And in terms of yourself personally, Josh, how do you maintain that even keel in the game of cricket? Because we mentioned overthinking earlier and it's very easy to get into that habit and you do go on that dangerous path of thinking too much and thinking too much about those different variables and what can I change and how can I change this, this, this and you get on this downward spiral. How do you maintain that level-headedness, that even keel, and keep you cool in the game of cricket? Yeah, well, there's <laughs> there's lots to it. I wouldn't say there's a, a specific um, blueprint to to it or anything in cricket. To be honest, as I said earlier, you know everyone's very different. Um, so, well, I suppose for me, it's just trying to remind myself of um, what I do, um, and again, trying to keep it as simple as. Um, keeping my mind clear before the ball's bowled um, when batting and, and when keeping again same thing just trying to sort of have that sort of pre-ball routine um, and just and just sort of trust it if you will that's what people sort of say um, is a bit cliche but it is very true that's the only thing I can sort of offer I suppose No that's fair enough and even if it does sound cliche it is sound advice but again as we all know too well it sounds really good in theory, but then when you put it in practice, it can be difficult at times, can't it? 
you do have those moments where you do have that self-doubt. You don't necessarily believe in yourself. And, you know, you do go down that path of, of overthinking things. And it's completely natural. I think that's something else we need to have the discussion about, to be honest, is having those feelings of self-doubt and lacking in belief sometimes. It's okay to have them as long as that isn't your attitude 90% of the time. You're allowed to have your moments like that, but it's all about maintaining that even-headedness, that level keel, and of course, just putting yourself in the best frame of mind to go out there and achieve cricket. Because at the end of the day, it is a game, isn't it, Josh? It's there to be enjoyed. And I know exactly. that's very easy for me to say as a village cricketer. It's a lot harder for you guys as professionals. But you do have to sometimes just strip away the game back to its basics. And remember, it's a sport. It's there to be enjoyed. And you are living out the dream. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, no, we're certainly very fortunate. Um yeah, even being being out here in Sydney, you know, it's it's great to play at some awesome awesome club grounds and um, seeing another sort of um, perspective of of how to play cricket and, and so on. But yeah, no, it's it's an interesting game, cricket. So many variables. Um, there's only so much you can control. So it's trying not to get too too high when it goes well, and trying not to get too low when it doesn't. Um, so so yeah. Again, very sage advice. A lot is out of your control. That isn't just for cricket, to be honest. That's life in general, but yeah, again, something you've just got to to understand. Control the things you can control and maybe don't stress too much about the things which unfortunately you have no power over. But Josh, before we do get on to the concluding segments, which will of course be about the future, we'll probably mention your time in grade cricket, to be honest, because I know that's something which has obviously been a massive part of your journey. But one final thing about Surrey before we talk about future plans and aspirations. What does this club mean to you? What does playing for Surrey and representing the Brown Caps, one of the most prestigious, one of the most illustrious, one of the most historic cricketing clubs, not just in England or Wales, but on the entire planet, what does Surrey County Cricket Club mean to Joshua Blake? Um, plenty. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is amazing to be involved at such an amazing club with such an amazing history. Um yeah, I mean, I've I always went to to the Oval growing up, watching T Twenties and and so on. Um, yeah, no, it is it really is amazing to be part of of the club. Um, playing at the Oval is a, a lifelong dream. Um, uh, as a as a youngster, as I said, going to all the T Twenties on a Friday night and so on. Um, going and watching even four day cricket with my dad. I remember going when I was very young, and uh, to Guildford. Um, yeah, no, it is it is amazing. It really is. It's surreal, as I said. Um, I'm just trying to take in as much as I can at the moment. Um, as I said earlier, getting to work with some of the best players and coaches um, in the game is is amazing. So just trying not to take that for granted and uh, learn as much as possible at, at this point in my career. And that is exactly the right attitude to have. It really is, Josh. And to be honest, you've earned it, mate. You really have. Okay, I know it's obviously you're not going to take too much credit because you do come across as a very modest and, and humble individual, but no, you have thoroughly deserved this, mate, and it's fantastic to see you in county cricket scoring runs for your boyhood club. There's nothing better to see as a fan of county cricket. But Josh, before we end today's episode then, and we say our final goodbyes and maybe plug a few social media channels to, to just end the, the podcast, let's just talk about the future then. So in terms of the immediate future, You've got a winter over in Australia playing for Hawkesbury, if I'm not mistaken. Is that the name of the club? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we do our research here on the Counter Cricket Podcast. So obviously, that'll be a major focus for the summer of 2022-23. 
But in terms of other future aspirations, in terms of Surrey, maybe even international cricket beyond, what would you like to achieve in the game of cricket heading into the next few years, per se? Um, well, firstly, at this point, as I said, learning as much as I can. Um, playing at Hawkesbury has been fantastic so far. Really excited to be a part of the club. Um, and again, training as hard as possible, trying to get fit as well. That's something that I haven't um, I haven't been involved in the sort of S&C side of, of the game um, when I'm training by myself. <laughs> so getting fit and trying to offer as much as I can to Surrey is, is, is the plan in the immediate future. Um, and then beyond that, I'm not really sure, to be honest, just try and take it one step at a time. Um, it's already been an amazing sort of 12 months. So just trying to make it as... Um, you know, just trying to be as consistent as possible in my training and trying to offer as much as I can to, to Surrey, I suppose. Well, Josh, it goes without saying, but obviously myself and everyone here at the Counter Cricket Podcast are wishing yourself and Surrey nothing but the very best of luck heading into the future. It's been absolutely fantastic to see someone who's done all of that excellent work for the local community, get that contract, live out the boyhood dream. And honestly, mate, I just hope it lasts for as long as possible. Hopefully, many, many successful years in a Surrey shirt lie ahead for Mr. Josh Blake heading into the, the rest of the 2020s. But, Josh, before we say our final goodbyes for the episode, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, anything like that? Uh, not particularly, to be honest. Um, just, I suppose my Instagram is Joshua Blake, Joshua W. Blake. Um, but that's, that's it. <laughs> so... Well, there we go, folks. If you want to go and follow Josh on social media, again, you can find the link to his Instagram along with Chance to Shine and the ECB's program links all in the podcast description below. So please feel free to go and check all of those out once you've finished listening to today's episode. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, We'll see you on the next one.